the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Freedom with Adam Riojas. His goal is not only to inspire you to receive everything God has for you, but to go out into the world and make disciples of all nations. And now, here's your host, Adam Riojas. Welcome to today's show. Hawaii, woo! Aloha, San Diego, what's up? Thank you for being here today. Um, I'm going to be interviewing today uh, my wife again and Cleta Riojas, but I want you to stick around for the latter part of the show where we will be coming out of Daniel chapter 8. It's been a journey. Praise God. It's been good, and we've been learning, and I thank God for that. But without further ado, uh, my wife, Cleta Riojas. Uh, Cleta, will you say something about yourself so our audience can again familiarize themselves with you. <laughs> That's us coming back from a, a nice turkey dinner at our educational center. That's how we sound. But yes, um, so for all of you listeners, I am um, Pastor Adam's wife. I have the uh, lovely opportunity of, of just working alongside him in ministry um, and everything. I think everything I, I do really is the just the heartbeat of the father and and um following in line with really what you do with uh ministry and so i i mean everything from starting the coffee shop back in the day when it's ministry minded to now we're venturing into the educational center and um everything i think i do really aligns with with you my husband ministry minded <laughs> amen you know you know what's amazing what when you were saying all that what was beautiful to me is that you're the one that actually found uh, our current building at the cross in oh, Oceanside. That's right. And, and that <laughs> was pretty amazing. I mean, we wanted to, we started looking for a building before we had any money mm-hmm. and God miraculously worked it out for us. We sold our home. We used a ton of that money towards the thing. And I remember, yeah. And I do for your listeners. Um, I, one of the other many hats that I wear is I do have my real estate broker's license, which I use for ministry purposes. And so to what you were saying is, yes, um, that is something that I've, the talents and the gifts that God has given me through, whether it be education or any other talents, I've always given back to the Lord. And which, of course, segues into why we're even here today, right? Talking about our Amen. So education. So (laughs) we both feel very strongly about education. And we know that right now our education in our public schools is uh, rapidly and uh, just going astray with, you know, the gender ideology and um, pushing, you know, abortion in in schools. And it's Mm -hmm. pretty horrible. But that takes us to where we're at now. And, mm-hmm. you know, we started an educational center. Um, how long has it has that educational center been around for now? We're in our third year, and we're making such great strides in building a strong foundation. I think it's so important 
to build that foundation before um, you grow even bigger. Because when you have a strong foundation and you have a strong team um, and you make all the connections that we've been making, which I know we'll, we'll be talking about later, it's the most important thing. Because you can, anybody can get into, say, educational tutoring services or so on and take off, and take off because, I mean, there's parents out there that are dying and ready to leave the public school system. But if you don't have that strong foundation on Christ and and waiting on wisdom and guidance on, on building everything from that perspective, then it could, you know, eventually fall apart. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. God's done a, a magnificent job. Um, so we started uh, three years ago, and it was from preschool to, was it fourth grade or fifth grade? Um, fifth grade. Fifth so grade. fifth grade, then sixth, and now we're seventh grade, all the way up to seventh grade. Yes. So I, what we're doing is, <laughs> and I'm going to reveal it, uh, <laughs> um, is our daughter is now in seventh Seven. grade. Yes. So we're adding a year every year. Yes. So she will be the first graduating class. That's correct. And um, just to kind of back up a little bit, what, one of the things that we do is because we our educational center is a classical educational center. And, you know, for those of you who understand classical education, the real objective is basically to train minds to think through ideas carefully. And so, for example, in our middle school, which is our seventh graders right now, uh, we use a very Socratic approach and which – may appear sometimes inefficient to the outside world in many aspects um, because for those of us who've gone through traditional public education or even a Christian school for that matter, I've done both in my lifetime um, and you know it can seem somewhat kind of foreign. But the Socratic method takes hours of, well, basically hours of inquiry and discourse around a table with your students to arrive eventually to the knowledge that if you were in a traditional setting, classroom setting, say lecture hall, um, that would only take minutes to simply, again, lecture at your students as they sit in rows and desks. But we've realized from all the research we've done, and this is why we um, have made such the connections we've had with Turning Point Academy, with Charlie Kirk, with Dr. Lisa Dunn at uh, Chula Vista Christian um, University, because we've realized that classical education is by far the best education for your child for your, for at, at all different levels. And so anyways, all that being said is um, it, I, I always go back to like the Socratic method because uh, one, one of the things that we found is that it exercises the mind and we know that a liberated mind is one that can entertain thoughts without accepting them. And we actually call that real tolerance, right? Rather as opposed to. Oh, amen. So, but yes. And so we're, we're excited. And I, I, um, I know you had the opportunity to go with us on a college visit. Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Yes. But, but before we go oh, to the college yes. visit mm -hmm. and we'll, we'll go to that. Mm -hmm. um, we were talking earlier because, uh, what happens with the school is, 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 or this educational uh, way of teaching mm -hmm. is it's like a community yes. um, and mm -hmm. the children get to do things together. So you get 20, 30 children and they all go to, uh, to a, 
like a farm and field trips, field and trips, and family outings, and we, we we do life together, and we're very intentional with our parents. Um, as a matter of fact, for example, um, being intentional is by far the best, and how we even not just vet our teachers, but in vetting families and let the families know that we're we're not here. You're not a number when you come into our educational center. We're going to do life with you. So this. Um, Every once a month, I meet with my all of my tutors, and as well as um, the the moms. Of course, I do. I meet with the moms. So one of the requirements, and, yes, that the moms or the dads have to be doing is going to church before they absolutely their so, children can even come to the <laughs> educational center. Yes, they have to be commi- um, involved in in a, in a church community. Um, and, and that doesn't mean just going to church on Sunday or going when you want. It's actively being involved in your church, and it's so important because. When the children, when the students, when their children come to our educational center, we're pouring into them from a biblical perspective. And so it works when they go home and that same um, thread is being interwoven into their life at home because it every day they're really building that foundation on Christ, not only at our educational center, but at first it always starts at home. So we're essentially coming alongside the parents to help basically instill everything that they believe to be true and we're supporting them because we're not um, the overseer, so to speak, over their child. They are the main educator. We're there to support them. And we tell the students all the time, um, you know, it, 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 I know one of the things we're real big on is them learning the Ten Commandments by, by uh, memory. And what is the most infamous one that children – um, really don't care to <laughs> memorize, right? Honor thy father and thy mother. <laughs> there you go, yes. And they're like, but why? And so it's really good. And so we always really revert back to the parent, you know. And we do have, you know, some dynamics in our families. We have families that are together, and then we do have uh, we do have single parents um, where they're co-parenting, right, in, in situations. And then even in those cases, there's a, just an opportunity to come alongside those you know, those parents and to help the child understand that regardless of, you know, what happened, your, your mom, your father, you know, are your, are your main, um, the, the head, the, the person that you go to and stuff. And we're just there to guide them back so that they can learn how to love and respect and honor their parents from a biblical um, understanding. That's pretty awesome. So what is that? I mean, you know, you've done Knott's Berry Farm. Mm-hmm. You've done. Oh, yeah. Uh, what's that farm that you guys go to? Uh, oh, Riley's Farm. Riley's Farm. <laughs> yes. uh, Great place. You you do Christian movies. Uh, yes. Just this past Tuesday, mm-hmm. um, you went to go see Journey to Journey, Bethlehem. Journey to Bethlehem. Journey to Bethlehem. Yeah, it was a big, and, big crew. Yes. And, and that was kind of awesome. And I mean, yes. so you're constantly doing things. What does it do for the children and the parents when they're all able to gather and, and be able to do things uh, together. What does that do for them? First the parent and then the child. For the parent, we have such great feedback in the sense of it's thank you. Thank you so much for what you're doing here and how we're not only just going back to what works, but um, creating a, a new, a, 
well, rather going back to an avenue of even our forefathers of how education should be, because it really is the parent. It's really the parent is the educator. Um, the community is there to support and love, and we're and doing life together, and and doing life in in a Christian environment is so wholesome. It's so healthy. Um, the children are just they blossom in ways they can't. The parents can't even comprehend, and so they're always coming to us like just in gratitude. Yeah. So I mean, I I see it first firsthand. I yes. I see uh, the benefits for the children. You just said for the parents, but I see the the children uh, build these relationships with other children that are like minded. There's no bullying. There's no fights in the school. There may be some arguments, but they're soon squashed and. They talk, they hug, and they move on, um, and mm-hmm. so it's it's beautiful. They are almost gro- like grown up in the Garden of Eden or something, where it's just a perfect environment mm. for them to learn and to and to move forward. I would say the key to that, and I'm going to actually highlight that, is many times when you look at um, how we do school, even colleges and universities. Um, you're being influenced mostly by your peers. And so how your peers are learning and growing and understanding things is really how children are learning and growing, right? So in what we do is there's so much mentorship. It's it Students aren't left alone to kind of um, figure it out themselves. We have the tutors and the support and the mentorship within our elders, our pastors at the church, um, our community um coming together and pouring into them. And I think the most important thing with uh, what what we're doing is that mentorship that we're not. And that's why going back to the bullying, we never have that issue because the students aren't left to kind of fend for themselves and off on their own. They're being, you know, mentored along the way we're doing life with them. We're, um, you know, if it's, break time or some type of lunchtime we're out there and we're and we're engaging with the student and that's important because if you look at a traditional setting um most you just pile the children in and maybe have one maybe two teachers at the most and then you're the children are being left to kind of raise each other you leave them out in the playground and they're left to kind of raise each other and they're not being mentored in um, especially from a christian perspective That's amazing. That's uh, amazing. Praise God. Now, hey, if you just tuned in, this is Freedom with Adam Riojas, and we are currently interviewing Cleta Riojas, my wife, the director of, what's it called? Freedom Generation Higher Education. (laughs) So we just had this phenomenal thing um, happen, and I was able to tag along. I had the time, and it was amazing. Um, you went to a university. What university was this? Chula Vista Christian University. Tell us what that university is or what is it? How does it function? Mm-hmm. Dr. Lisa Dunn, um, who had started the Chula Vista Christian University, it's, it's, she's actually as well on her third year, just like as as, as we all uh, apparently three years ago decided to come together and change the trajectory of education as we know it, as we had known it. And so um, Dr. Lisa has done such an amazing job in getting the best educators or uh, professors around um, the country coming together, whether they're locally or um, online. And 
she's building such an amazing team. And so we're excited because her methods come again from a classical um, model. And so it carries on and it's very difficult, I think, and from what I've noticed also is to find universities out there as the children go into a higher education, as they go into a collegiate education. So we're coming alongside and starting a pilot program with Dr. Lisa Dunn and Chula Vista Christian University where um, her, the model that she has, the two days a week and so on at the university, will be duplicated at our facility in Oceanside. And so we are look, working out the logistics and we're extremely excited to be able to have this opportunity for our students at our educational center. That's amazing. So starting in ninth grade. Yes, they will be able to either, by the time they graduate as seniors, mm-hmm. uh, graduate with an AA or a BA. Is that correct? That's correct. So that would be in about a year and a half. So we'll be enrolling for that program in 2025. And so the fall of 2025. And so basically what that allows is everything that, um, and of course, our students now are already being prepped and I'll, I'll kind of backpedal. So our seventh and eighth or well, next year, eighth grade students are already taking um, uh, preparatory classes for college. So we're, for example, our seventh graders are doing pre-algebra. Um, they're doing all the prerequisites for the sciences and, and the histories and so on and language arts. Um, so by the time they get to ninth grade, they're in line with exactly what is expected of them to be able to handle the same um, workload, college workload, as well as their high school workload, because it pretty much mirrors itself. And that's the beauty of doing homeschooling and doing uh, pretty much what we've been doing at our educational center, because we have that opportunity. We have the time, again, to really fine tune what does the child, the student really need to be successful beyond um, high school into college and and then beyond whether what they need. And so that's why I always say we remove the junk food and focus on the, the meat and the potatoes of education Um, because many times you go into traditional settings, there's just too much going on and there's not enough meat and potatoes for the children to actually be able to learn. They're still essentially drinking from milk. Yeah, that's that's so awesome. You know, we don't really ever comprehend until we get a little older, and most of us, yes, um, how important education is. And this way of teaching is actually getting children really prepped up for life itself. Yes, and and so what's happening with you and the educational center is is the children will be better prepped to be functional, uh, conservative uh, Christians that are pouring back into the community and giving of themselves. And, mm-hmm. and it just makes the world go round even better. And it's extremely, uh, what's the, well, I'll just say it's easy. It's very easy to do what we're doing and it does not take a rocket scientist to, um, duplicate the formula, if you will, um, in this educational center. It really, all it takes is committed uh, Christians to see 
how important it is that if we do not pour into this next generation, then there won't be a next generation. I mean, we see what's going on now in our country and in the world, and our children are the most important things for our future. And I think a lot of times they get shoved aside and shuffled into schools or even private Christian schools and just, you know, left to, um, again, fend for themselves. And I think it's important when parents come together and community comes together and realizes the impact that we have as, and our duty as Christians, as parents, really, um, it is extremely important for, yeah, that, yeah for that, the fear of our future. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah sorry. That is, that is awesome. And, <laughs> yes. you know, the direction right now of our, of our, you know, public schools and um, Governor Newsom right now and their and his whole team are trying mm-hmm. to um, these vaccines, you know, mm-hmm. where they're trying, oh, yes. but they want to get it mm-hmm. into kids' arms. And they know now all the mm-hmm. harm that these things have caused. And, and I get it. If, if it should be um, something that if you decide, you can do it if you want. Right. But it's important to know and everyone's educated about the harm that it does happen to people. And I mean, I personally know I have a, a, a cousin that um, had seen a long time. He was vaccinated and, you know, after his booster within like 72 hours, he got a major heart attack. He survived and mm-hmm. people that have, you know, all kinds of things that have gone through strokes right. and just. Uh, well, it's like playing Russian roulette. So it's just, this, you know, you just don't know with that. And especially it, I mean, there's so much science, the real science that actually backs all that up. But it's true. And in a lot of parents that I have talked to and the reason why they're here or have left the public school system to homeschool is a lot of that reasoning. Like, you know, I'm not sure yet about that. I I, want to wait until there's more um, research and so on and so on forth. And so parents have left because of that. But I think uh, there was a huge wave of parents that left the public school was because of the sex education. And, you know, um, we've talked about this. and That's a whole other topic. We've talked about how there's that, you know, there's that direct correlation of um, the pornography industry, the um, Kinsley Institute and um, Planned Parenthood all working together in the sex education that is being taught they in our public schools. together. That yes. is insane. And it's when it started to come out and people really started to follow the money and <clears throat> do the research on their own and realizing, oh my goodness, what is going on in these public schools? Because we're, it's producing, um, our children are going in uh, extremely innocent and coming out it, it, this radical beliefs that I mean, I can't even, they're being exposed to things that I can't even, I, we don't even say on the air, but all that to be said is, is that I think many parents have really awakened up to the reality that if they don't take a stand for their students. And I think we had, I had mentioned that when we had the, uh, the event was that was the main thing is that we as parents need to be on the front line. We're not so you, when you have wolves, you don't go, okay, my child, go ahead. You can fend for yourself and, and fight off the wolves. No, we're the parents. We're supposed to go in front of them and fight the wolves for Amen. them. Amen. They're, they're, Stand for we're children. protecting them. And, and by sending them off to the slaughterhouse, so to speak, that's not, you know, being protective of our students. Amen. Well, you know, the saying is if you send your, mm-hmm. your children to uh, Caesar schools, yes. what do you expect 
to get back. Roman soldiers. Roman soldiers. <laughs> so, you know, we have a, yes. a, a couple of minutes. Um, encourage a parent right now that uh, is struggling with uh, what's going on with the public schools. Is, mm-hmm. is there a word of encouragement that you can give them right now? I think the word of encouragement would be for you parents um, is go to the school boards first, see what's going on, go to the library. Um, everything is is really there for you to see. Um, many times I think if you don't know, then you you really don't know until you actually go for yourself. But also that it, there's so many homeschooling um, connection groups out there across America that you can get connected with today and and it doesn't it I want to encourage really them to just realize that we're here for them, Amen. whether it's in a community here in Oceanside, Temecula, and beyond, there are so many of us that are here to um, walk alongside and do life with you. Amen. so if they want if somebody wants to talk to you or thinking of opening you know a home a, an educational center at their churches and in a public arena, mm-hmm. um, how do they get a hold of you? Seven six zero nine nine four three five three four. What's the address of your twenty one twelve South El Camino Real, Oceanside, California? Woohoo! <laughs> there you have it. Call her up, Cleta Riojas, the director of this home school facility. That's amazing. <laughs> we love you guys. We'll be right back, and we see you in a minute. God bless you. Woo! The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy Associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through 7th grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023. Visit them online at freedomgenerationedu.com or at the cross oceanside.com. Welcome back to Freedom with Adam Riojas. Thank you for tuning in. And now we are about to go into the latter part of the show. And it is my favorite because it is the word of God. And we've been going through the book of Daniel let me just catch you up if you don't know where we're at and if this is your first time tuning in. We've been going through uh, Daniel. We're now in chapter 8. But I want to remind those listeners that are just joining us or have been with us on this journey with the book of Daniel that from chapters 1 to 6, um, Daniel deals with the kingdoms that he's been under and he speaks about its rulers and its dreams. And then from verse from chapter seven to 12, Daniel now has his visions and they're all these visions that he's had are 
have taken place between, you know, in the realm of Babylon when he was under these the Babylonian king Nebuchadnezzar and Darius and Cyrus. So as we pick it up in chapter 8, here it is. It says this. In the third year of the reign of King Belteshazzar, a vision appeared unto me, even unto Daniel, after that which appeared unto me at the first. And I saw in a vision, and it came to pass when I saw that I was in Shushan in the palace. He he is translated. He is he is now in the land of the Persians in Iran. And God has given him this amazing uh, vision that we are brought to go into. Some believe that uh, Daniel was actually in Iran on business, but it doesn't look like it because it says that he he had this vision and he now is in Shushan in the palace, which is in the providence of Elam. And this is what he saw in a vision. I was by the river Ulai. Then I lifted up my eyes and I saw and behold, there stood before the river a ram which had two horns, a ram that had two horns and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other and the higher came up last. Now, in order for us to understand, we're going to jump over to verse 20 and this is what verse 20 says. The ram which thou sawest having two horns are the kings of the Media and Persia. So these are uh, what the ram represents. And verse 20 tells us, again, let me make sure you know, this having two horns are the kings of Media and Persia. Now, when we look at that, Persia was actually the more dominant of both of these nations, and that's the horn that appeared a little bit taller than the other. Now, what's really amazing is there has there's some history about how this uh, ram uh, represents um, media Persia. Now, this is pretty powerful. Now, there is. Aminus Marcellinus, a 4th century historian, um, said this, that the Persian ruler uh, bore upon his head uh, a ram and uh, around his head as he's leading his army. Now, the ram was the national emblem of Persia, a ram being stamped on Persian coins as well as the headdress of Persian emperors. So without a doubt, he is now seeing the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. Verse 2 says this, I saw in the vision it came to pass when I saw in Shushan in the palace, which is the providence of Elam, and I saw in a vision I was by the river Ulai. Then I lifted up my eyes and saw, and behold, there stood before a river a ram. This is that ram is, is the Persians and the Medes which had two horns, and the two horns were high, but one was higher than the other, and the higher came up last. That's the Persians. I saw the ram pushing westward and northward and southward so that no beast might stand before him, 
neither was there any that could deliver out of his hand, but he did according to his will and became great. Now, which I love when I read this, I see a perfect fulfillment of what's about to take place. Remember, King Belteshazzar is literally the last king of Babylon right before the Meds and the Purge and the Persians decide to take over this country of the Babylonians. Now, as we continue, it says, I saw the ram pushing westward, northward, southward, so that no beast might stand before it. So now this kingdom is expanding to every side. It's it's taking care of business. It's taking land. And what's interesting is you don't see it go to the east. And so in history, we don't ever see it go into these. We see that it definitely went northward, southward, and no one could stand before it. And we see how God used this kingdom to bring actually punishment or judgment to Babylon. And now we look at verse 5, and it says, And as I was considering, behold, and a he goat came from the west. Now, who is this he goat? And we can look at some verses ahead to find out who this he goat he goat is in verses 21 and 22 of the same chapter, chapter 8. And the rough goat is the king of Grecia and great horn that is between his eyes is the first king, Alexander the Great. Isn't that amazing how we can see how God knows the future and God spoke through Daniel and we're reading it out. That's why a lot of people actually have problems when they read Daniel because they think it was written at a latter time, right before Jesus, around that time, because they didn't see how it could be possible that someone so precisely spoke about the future. And we see here how Daniel spoke about the future. Daniel spoke, and it literally came to pass. The ram conquered Babylon, and now we see the goat. The goat is going to conquer the Persians and the the Medes. And it's amazing. And it says, On the face of the whole earth, and touched not the ground, and the goat had a notable horn between his eyes. Now, I love it. I I look at that uh, verse and I see how Alexander the Great was literally just taking over everything with ease and of the known world at that time. And he was just ferocious. He was actually a young man. He died at the age of 32 being the world leader. And verse 6 six says this, And he came to the ram that had two horns, which I had seen standing before the river, remember the Meds and the Persians, and ran onto him in the fury of his power. And I saw him come close onto the ram, and he was moved with choler against him, and he smote the ram and brake the two horns, and there was no power in the ram to stand before him, but he cast him down to the ground and stamped upon him, and there was none that could deliver the ram out of his hand. Now, that's amazing. That's exactly how we see things 
that happened and took place as Alexander the Great is just delivering a ferocious uh, army and leading them into victory, he became, again, the, the man. He became a ruler at a young age and no one could stand before him. Now, as we know, one of the things that how God used this for his glory is that one of the things that Alexander had a passion for was spreading his Greek culture and the language as well. And so he did a phenomenal job at doing that because as you and I know that we got our New Testament, which is uh, Koine, which is the common Greek um, from the people at that time. And that's what the New Testament was written in, in Greek. That's how we have our scriptures written to us, the New Testament in Greek, except for perhaps the book of Matthew that was written in Arabic. Now, as we continue, it says, Verse 8 says this, Therefore therefore, the he-goat waxed very great, and when he was strong, the great horn was broken, for it came up four noble ones toward the four winds of heaven. Now, that is a phenomenal prophecy right there, because what actually happened is, is his kingdom was divided into four of his leaders because he died and these four leaders took over the kingdom. Now, these leaders were also very ferocious leaders, but God used them. And a little bit about these four leaders um, so that you know who they were, um, there were people that uh, eventually just became ferocious in their in their taking over and in what they did with their kingdoms and how they handled them. And so one of them was Antichus Epiphanes, who was uh, a crazy, mad man, a crazy, mad man who literally desecrated the temple by sacrificing a pig in the temple. And it's just horrific what he did. He was a type of an antichrist. Um, and he literally was just this evil man. The, uh, the Another one that was there during that time of these great unrest that um, happened during the time was this another madman who ruled another one of the kingdoms, and his name was Cassander. He ruled over Greece and its region. And then you have Lysimachus ruling over Asia Minor, and then you have uh, Polypme, ruling over Egypt. Now, Polypme and, and, and 
this crazy madman Antichus, um, they struggled for a little bit over the land of Israel, but eventually, of course, we know that uh, Antichus Epiphanes was the one that ended up ruling this area. But there's so much accuracy when you read the book of Daniel. It's just this powerful book that gives you, uh, you know, an insight of how God knows everything and how no one can stand against God and how God knows the beginning to the end. Verse 9 says this, And out of one came forth a little horn, which waxed exceeding great toward the south and toward the east and toward the pleasant land. Now, that is no doubt Antichus. Now, he was ruthless, ruthless, and he is the one that profaned the temple, and it waxed great uh, even to the host of heaven. Now, when a lot of people look at this, they believe that it went further than Antichus, Antichus because it's literally speaking at the end times as well. And we'll see how he does that because in verse 10, it says it, and it waxed great even to the host of heaven. And we know that no one ever, no one's kingdom ever really ruled that high. The only kingdom that we know was Satan himself when, you know, even to the host of heaven and no doubt that in the end days, Satan empowers the Antichrist. And as we continue, it says, and it, and it cast down some of the host and of the stars to the ground and stamped upon them. Yea, he magnified, magnified himself even to the prince of the host. And by him, the daily sacrifice was taken away and the palace of his sanctuary was cast down. Now, when people look at this, often they, when they say the prince of the host, they, they, they believe that that was, you know, magnifying himself against God, against Jesus and uh, against everything, uh, you know, that God stands for. And then it's 12 says this, and a host was given him against the daily sacrifice by reason of transgression. And it cast down the truth to the ground and it practiced and it prosper. Now, this little horn, no doubt, uh, was Antichus, but no doubt it also had this meaning where it was pushing towards the end days. And, and as Scripture tells us, as we continue to read, we'll see it more clearly. Then I heard one saint speaking, and another saint said unto the certain saint which spake, How long shall be the vision concerning the daily sacrifice and the transgression of desolation to give both the sanctuary and the host who trodden underfoot. 14 says this, and he said unto me unto 2,300 days, then shall the sanctuary be cleansed. And that's a pretty powerful, uh, pretty powerful verse. Most people um, look at it like this, and this is how they do the math. They uh, they say that uh, on December of 168 uh, BC, um, when Antichus had been defeated in Alexandria, he on when he came back, he ordered his generals to seize Jerusalem 
on a Sabbath. And, and that's when he set up this idol of Zeus. And that's when he literally desecrated the altar by an offering of a swine and then sprinkled the blood all over the place. So when people look at it, they look at it at, at this date and they say that the date when the temple was cleansed is well established at December 25, 165 BC and how they come to this number. If they count uh, backwards, 2,300 days from then um, that we come to the year when Antichus Epiphanes began his persecution in earnest of the Jews. Now, <laughs> some people really have taken this out of place when they look into the future. And I'll give you this, this crazy uh, teaching that has come out of that. Um, William Miller, um, he used this 2,300 um, and he converted year days to calculate that Jesus would return in 1844. Do you hear that? That Jesus would come back in 1844, which is complete insanity. And and let me kind of give you some more things. Now, 2,300 years after Cyrus issued the decree to rebuild the temple. Now, what's really insane, of course, Jesus never showed up in, in 1844. But out of this movement the Seventh-day Church arose, which is wild when you think about it. And, you know, the Seventh-day Adventist a, a Church now has been becoming more mainstream, and and they've, they're changing their ways, and, and they're being accepted more of a, of a Christian denomination now. But that's how they got their start. Ellen G. White was the founder and took up this— and she actually said that at, at, in 1844 that it wasn't an earthly kingdom, but that the kingdom was set up in heaven where Jesus began to rule in this kingdom. Insanity. But out of this movement also came the Jehovah Witnesses and other cults. And that's what happens when you take scripture and, and you try to make something out of it that it's, it's not there. You know, some people look at this and, and believe that this is the, the, that this happens during the seven year tribulation because there's a lot of things that happened during that time. 15 says this, and it came to pass when I, even Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for the meaning, then behold, there stood before me as the appearance of man, and I heard a man's voice between the banks of Uli, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man to understand the vision. Remember, Gabriel is, is someone who, who brings interpretation of the dreams and, and delivers them and, and tells people what they are. 17 says this, so he came near where I stood. When he came, I was afraid and I fell upon my face. But he said unto me, understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. And so... I'm one of the people that look at this and, and see that Antichus Epiphanes, Epiphanes means deity, that he was he was trying to say he was God. And, you know, I, I believe that that was just a type of an Antichrist. But I literally look at this and I believe that it's completely speaking uh, at the time of the end. 
at the end days when the Antichrist appears. And then in in Second Thessalonians chapter 2, he makes himself to be God. And in Revelations chapter 13, he takes and he says he's God and he makes everyone takes a number. Now, 18 says this, and as he was speaking with me, I was in deep sleep on my face toward the ground, but he touched me and set me upright. And he said, behold, I will make thee know what shall be. Here it goes again. The last end of the indignation at the end of time. This is what this dream is about. It's going to this last part of the dream is going to take place at the end of time, at the end of time. And then he says this. For at the time appointed, the end shall be. So it literally speaks about the end times. So again, when we think of Antichrist Epiphanes, I believe it was him trying to, uh, Satan trying to stir things up and and think that he could actually bring the end times, you know, towards the end, because there's no doubt that that was uh, uh, a picture of what's going to happen in the end times. Because, again, Daniel says here that it's something that's going to happen in the end times. And that's what we have to look at. We have to look at Scripture and see what Scripture says. And next week, we'll pick it up in chapter 20. This is an interesting book. I I, I would encourage you to go back and read Daniel chapter 8 and to look at it closely. Because it shouldn't be just on this radio station that... You're getting knowledge. It should be something that you're doing on your own. You should be reading scripture. You should be reading the Bible. You should already know what it says. And I just, I love it because the word of God is so phenomenal. And God used Daniel powerfully. And so today, I just want to remind you that there is a lot happening around the world. And that today you have the opportunity, and I I mention it all the time because it's important that if you're already a believer and and you're failing, you're, you're backsliding, that you can come back today. You can say, God, forgive me. Make me whole again, Lord. Renew me. I'm confessing my sins. You're faithful to forgive me, God. And then thank him and, and get on this journey. And if you've never known Jesus and somehow you're listening today and you're like, I don't understand a bit of what I heard today. I want to tell you that there's coming a, a time that's going to be horrific, a, a time where um, you're going to be seeing things falling apart. So today is the day of salvation. Wife, will you close us in prayer? Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you so much for never leaving us nor forsaking us. And Father God, we just pray today for all you, all the listeners out there that you would just guide them, Father God, on this journey, that you would surround them with other like-minded believers in Christ, and that you would guide and protect them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for listening today. And, and if you don't know Jesus, say, Jesus, come into my heart. I believe you died for my sins. Be my Lord, be my Savior, be my God. And that's all it takes. We love you. Please keep praying for freedom with Adam Riojas and At The Cross Church. God bless you. I love you. But more than that, Jesus loves you. Woohoo! 
Thanks for listening to Freedom with Adam Riojas. If you'd like to contact Adam, email him at freedom at adamriojas.com. Make sure to tune in next week at 5 p.m. here on K-Praise. If you missed a show, go to your favorite podcast provider and search Freedom with Adam Riojas. The Oceanside Pier is a sacred place, blessed with ocean views, the strand, good people, and good times. You'll find all those things and more at the Bistro at the Pier. Locally owned and operated, the Bistro at the Pier offers delicious food options and a full slate of crafted coffee drinks, including Italy's own Cafe Vergnano, sourced from Italy's finest coffee beans. So whether you're craving an acai bowl or an espresso, the Bistro at the Pier is waiting for you. Head on down or visit them online at bistroatthepier.org. Freedom Generation Higher Education is a faith-based alternative education option and official Turning Point USA Academy associate that values constitutional rights and medical freedom. Hosted by At The Cross Church in Oceanside, they serve pre-K through 7th grade and are Southern California's exclusive institution incorporating Turning Point USA Academy's 5C model. They offer in-person classes and electives Monday through Thursday and are now accepting applications for fall 2023. Visit them online at freedomgenerationedu.com or at the cross oceanside.com. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.